This is the Prosperous Family Podcast, where we explore creative ways of prospering mentally, emotionally, socially, physically, financially, and spiritually. So pull out your notepads, put on your thinking caps, and be open to new ways of approaching your day-to-day life, new ways of creating prosperity, happiness, joy, peace in your life and in the lives of your family members. Welcome to Prosperous Family Podcast. Hello, welcome everybody to the Prosperous Families Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Becca Photo with Lady B Co. Becca is a marketing and branding coach, and we're going to have some fun talking about all of that. But let's first get started, Becca, by tell us about your family. Yes, yes. You know, family for me is is everything. I think when we as entrepreneurs, you know, make the decision to jump into this role, uh, we think of blood, sweat, tears, and sacrifice, and we think of that sacrifice as coming in the form of not as much time with our family. And I'm not uh, going to sit here and tell you that I didn't do that uh, at points in this, this journey uh, of eight years so far. But I will say that, uh, you know, I would even tell employers when I worked for someone else, um, when I was in the interview process, you know, I'm a a wife and a mother first, you know, and then I, then I'm your, you know, employee or then I'm, you know, in, in my case, an entrepreneur and building my dream. And I really stuck to that. You know, I've got three, now almost all three teenagers in my house, which is a very interesting dynamic. We've got an older son and two uh, daughters, uh, 17, 14, and 12. So, you know, we're busy. We got high school and activities and all the things I think, but it comes down to managing business and prosperity as a family and also prosperity in our careers. My husband works out of the home as an accountant and controller for a nice, um, great business here in town. Uh, You know, it comes down to really understanding that at the end of the day, we're going to come together. And at some point, (laughs) it might be 10 o'clock, but we're going to come together and we're going uh, to prioritize our unit, especially while we're all still under the same roof. So there's just a few years before that dynamic changes. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's a little bit about the crazy, crazy herd. So, so I have a couple comments. For, for, first of all, I just to make sure you said your husband also works out of the home. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, I think we have a slight delay, so I'm gonna try to be respectful of that. But, but just so you know. If, if I pause, it's because it it looks like we have a delay. So your husband works out of the home as a controller, but even with that, you sometimes don't see each other till 10 o'clock at night, it sounds like. Well, that's when the kids are in the middle of activities. My son runs track, and if anyone has a child who runs track, you know that track meets last, you know, almost a lifetime in themselves. <laughs> You're there all evening long. So we're there together, at least, watching him run. But as far as getting together as a whole group together, my girls don't always go to those track meets. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, track meets are that way. My my kids run tr- cross country and track, 
And I liked cross country so much better because yeah. we're all done in approximately, you know, a set amount of time. But, yes. but yeah, track and wrestling. I, I have a couple of friends whose kids do wrestling and those are all day long meets, yes. much like track. Much like, well, and, and, and that is, know, it's a big sacrifice to be there. Yeah. Well, and you know, you've got three kids going three directions at any given moment where our busy seasons are spring and fall when the kids are in multiple things, you know, multiple times. And um, so, yeah, it just gets to be a lot, but that's where the 10 o'clock hour comes in. We're finally all coming together late. Um, right. But at least we try to come together. Right. And, and for me, I, I mean, every family is different, but for me at times I had to also tell my kids, family is everything and family is important, but there's, I might not be at every single event. Mm -hmm. There were just times when I was traveling or things like that, that I had to say, Hey, I hope you can forgive me. I'm not going to make it to that one. Um, not, I tried to limit it, but yeah. it also had that open conversation that that's part of the way I harmonize or, you know, some people say balance, but I like to say harmony because some things it, it, to me, it represents that um, business is priority that occasionally just like family is going to be the priority most of the time kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah. So um, you, your kids are 17, 14 and 12. You, you mentioned that they're coming into teenage years that they are, they're in teenage yeah. years. Uh, what's it like to have teenagers? Compare and contrast that with, you know, toddlerhood or elementary school. How is, how is having yeah. three, uh, you know, you're, you're pre 12 is close enough to teenager yeah. to having three teens in the house. You know, it is definitely my most difficult and challenging parenting season. I, I have told a few of my friends and family members who are in the like, you know, eight, six, four and two, you know, ages or seven and five ages. And though they actually find it to be very shocking because they've been told or have this belief that, oh, they're older, they're more independent. I'm not like wiping their butts anymore and I'm not preparing all their snacks and their food and I'm not doing all of the heavy lifting. Like the physical aspect of being a parent does get eliminated and removed quite a bit because you're not lifting toddlers onto your hips and carrying the bag and the stroller and all the things. But there is a definitely more deeper emotional pull that comes and challenge that comes with having a teenager who is going through some big heavy emotions you know they've got access to the internet and the world at large is having its own set of challenges and they bring that and they compartmentalize that and sometimes they don't share how they're feeling or you know, I'm going to go there. School shootings have these kids rocked in schools as far as feeling safe and secure and like they're going to be okay. You've got little kids and big kids alike who are scared that something's going to happen. So their, their anxiety is heightened. They're always on edge. And how can you learn in that kind of environment? Mm -hmm. So I think just when you're raising ch or children, but you have teens in your home, especially those just making sure that they continuously believe and feel that you're a safe place for them to go and to have all the big emotions. And teenagers have really big, raw, mean emotions. And 
to remember, the hardest part is to remember it's not you. Like you're the safe person. They're not gonna have that moment, that raw moment, whether it be in anger or in sadness. They're not gonna do that with a teacher. They're not gonna do that with a grandparent probably. They're not gonna do that with a friend. They're gonna do that with yeah. you because you're safe. And to not get down on them, right. to reprimand them for that, but to embrace it and to let them have that emotion yeah. and walk them through that. Um, while still trying to keep yourself, like, I'm not even going to say intact because I think it's 100% to cry with your kid, okay to cry with your kid, lots of your kid, yell at your kid if there's, like, I've, I've truly have gotten into yelling matches with my 17-year-old son and we come out the other end hugging and loving on each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that that's a moment mm -hmm. that I'm not going to back down. <laughs> and sometimes it gets yelling and some, and we recognize we need to kind of step back from the situation and, and chill out. But it's okay. I really do believe it's okay, in my my opinion. I, th I think you are so, so, so very much on. First of all, that the the time of teenage years is, is emotional growth for everybody, especially as a parent, right? Because to be quite honest, that that time is the breakaway time when they're choosing what they're going to actually embrace that's ours and what is their own way of doing things. And that can be triggering for you mm -hmm. as, a, as a parent. But, but also, mm -hmm. like you said, being able to have that conversation, it's okay. We're gonna all have emotions and we, it's okay that we're gonna do that here and we're gonna come back together. We're gonna find that loving spot, even if it means we have to go take a break and mm -hmm. then come back to have that loving spot. That, that, I think that's such a healthy way to see families, it's, and especially families of teenagers. is It's okay. Uh, for me, at least, uh, especially with my daughter, who um, just turned 20 a month or so, um, it was, well, um, a month or so. By the time you get this recording published, it will be back a little bit farther. But um, was having that conversation of, this as far as I can go as a mother and a parent, because there were some times that her emotions needed to be handled with a therapist, mm, needed yeah. to be handled. It was just too much for me, either because I was in certain circumstances or because it reminded to me too much of something I'd already overcome. Um, but having that conversation and being able to say, yep, it's real, we're here for you and that that is such a healthy way of being able to approach those things yeah i agree with that 100 percent. awesome cool um so tell me about you said you've been in business about eight years what was the triggering event that this caused you to think hey i want to work for myself and this is the best thing for me and my family yeah, at that time, my kids were so young. They were eight, six, and four. And I was actually working in the marketing agency here in town that I loved what I was doing. I loved my clients. I loved the work I was producing, but I wasn't super pumped about who I was working for. There was a lot of uh, internal issues and toxicity and leadership uh, turnover and challenges and just a lot of uh, that kind of stuff was happening. So ultimately the business was going to get sold. They were selling it in the process of that whole kind of uh, step. I guess. So everybody I knew. I, yeah, I didn't want, I mean, I was willing to, or I was, I was um, 
could have gone with the business and, you know, kind of kept my job and kept going. That wasn't the challenge. The challenge for me was I was like, well, I'm not, um, I just, I, I was done with the company. I, w- I just wasn't interested in being sold along with it and all the people and I just wasn't me so, or wasn't what I wanted to do. So, and I let them know and they were absolutely a hundred percent fine with it. They gave me a couple of months, uh, ultimately at the end to you know, kind of what the transition time was a couple of months. So that was plenty of time, you know, to find something different and, and to move on. Well, as I was going through that, I had, you know, several job uh, interviews and came in runner up or was overqualified. And I was trying not to just take anything. I was trying to find something I could truly step into and see myself at, you know, place where I was at for a while. And it just wasn't happening. And here my timeline was closing in on me and I had nothing. And I didn't have really the option to not work. It wasn't there for me. So I was getting really, really stressed out. And I was disclosing this to a, a client, an old client of mine, and she was like, well, have you ever thought about opening up your own business? And I was like, geez, it actually hadn't even kind of occurred to me. And then she followed that up with, because if you do, I'll be your first client. So then oh. I finally, I know, right? It was like the doors had opened. My brain was like, okay, maybe I can do this. And so I, of course, sort of just racked my brain. I'm like, who else? I'm like, I kind of figured out like where I needed to be from a dollars and cents standpoint to be able to say, yes, I can do this. And I had another client of mine at the time that had two businesses. So if I had her business and if I closed him and I got the two businesses, I could open with those three clients, if you will, and and make this all happen. So within two weeks, Whoa. I was up operational. I had yeah. name. I did not have a logo or any website, but I had those three clients and I had my first pitch that I went on for a law office here in town. I did not get it. But I still just didn't even have time to think. I think when I look back at those days, like I'm such a perfectionist. I'm really in the season trying to break that off of me. So my perfectionist self didn't even have a chance to like think through it. I just went. And I feel like when people think about like moments in their life that they just go all in, like their why or their purpose is so strong. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my why is that I needed to make money. I needed to get something uh like off the ground from like fulfill myself like make money is kind of part of it but like do something that fulfills me and like lifts me up and i was like these two clients alone are like my some of my best friends i was like i oh, will not awesome. let them down i will not let them yeah. down so right. i just plunged purged, or plunged and isn't that me. interesting i i love how you say i can't let them down was your why you know mm-hmm. Um, it, it, because they are breaking off, they are trusting you. Oh. I imagine there was some kind of um, some kind of negotiation with your former employer or something from taking them taking well, them on. Technically, I did not have a non-compete, so it did not. I mean, there was definitely conversations and some uh, hurt feelings, but from a legal standpoint, I could, and that's why I did. Okay. Yeah. Just to, just to mention that you don't want to be stealing clients there. There has to, no. you have to avoid those, that. but, but the facts, you know, sometimes, you know, I think it's Simon Sinek, but there are coaches out there who talk about your big why and have and you, and so that, I don't know about you, but very often when I'm approached with my big why, and a lot of people will say, Oh, it has to be your kids or, Sometimes it can just be, I have a why for this project. Mm-hmm. And this project is I'm going to prove to these two clients that I was worth that risk. 
And so I love that element of this story. But the other, ele the other element of this story that I love is um, you describe perfectly um, what I describe in it as a certain energy system. So in the talk, you know, the training that I do, and we talk about five energy systems. And one of those energy systems is triggered under pressure. And you can call it procrastination or you can simply set yourself up that I have to do it by a certain deadline because my energy flows better when I create that pressure. And so I love the way that you, you didn't know it, but right there at the deadline, you go, oh, I have to have something. This is a great option. And, and that pressure kind of launched you. And so yeah. I love those, those elements of that story. So how did you come up with the name? Lady B, I'm sure there, there's a story to that one. Yeah. Well, when I launched, I actually built, first, initially, I built a marketing firm. So okay. I, I had a pulse. It was called Pulse Marketing. It was kind of like we were on the pulse, you know, of what's happening, you know, kind of the latest oh, and greatest yeah. trends of the marketing and things like that, too. So I actually built a, uh, a marketing, I hate the word agency, so I never use that word that much. I think agency has some other things attached to it. And we weren't truly an agency by definition. So we were a marketing firm. We had a small office downtown. We moved to a big office on another side of town. I had team members. We had, we literally came in and operated as a small, uh, like a bigger marketing team for the small to mid-sized business. So oh, wow. uh, we were from five to 25 employees. We had, you know, under one business, we come in and manage social media, website, graphics, um, and print mm. materials, videos, um, anything like that. So billboard design, whatever you wanted to do, we could do for you. We had a team member to do that for you. Mm. But the thing is, I got to a point in about 2017 where I'm building out this business and I'm like, this is not fulfilling me anymore. Like I got content. We, we, we were in, we were making great money. We had, I mean, everything was just so, it, it, we built it and then we just kind of sustained it. And I was like, this, but I lost kind of my flair. And so I started to really think about like, what the heck do I want to do? And so we actually, I, I basically shut it down. I mean, I minimized it quite a bit. I got rid of the office. I went down to just one person on my team. We got rid of a set of services. We didn't do any more. Like I was just like kind of in search of like, what is it I want to do? But in the meantime, I'm only going to do what I really love to do. It's kind of what I mm -hmm. decided what kind of left stayed. Yeah. Um, and so for a couple of years, we did a lot of websites and we did a lot of social media content development strategy, all of those things. We really support a lot of um, businesses on that. And then while we were doing that, I was, I was conjuring up Lady B and I was like, okay, I, I'm going to change. I'm going to switch it over. And so it was the very end of 2019 in December. I finally, um, with my mentor and I, we sat down actually the same gal who said, if you open up your business, I will be your first client. She's since then retired from her business. because She, she became your mentor? Yeah, so she became Beautiful. my mentor. And so she and I together workshopped and, and really mapped out what Lady B is. It, mm -hmm. It's changed from what it is today, even but like kind of the initial like launching into the world. So mm -hmm. we launched Lady B Co. the big launch party on the 8th of uh, March, which is International Women's Day in supporting the women in business. Of 2020? Of 2020. No yeah. way. Oh, little did you know. I know. We all know what happened next. So March 8th, 2020. What a great day to launch. <laughs> perfect. I even had a press release I'd ever sent out about it because timing and uh, was everything. And um, so what ended up happening, I was actually set for my best year in business yet. 
to literally doing one of the worst years in business when you look at it financially, because I then just halted. Um, I launched the business a week later, the world shut down and I had those teenagers in my house still that had their worlds rocked and big emotions and things that need to be handled. My husband still worked out of the home the whole time because he's working for like his company's lean and small enough to where they can still kind of manage the mask and all the things that they were doing. So it was just me and the kids uh, here for like 12, 13 hours a day because he was working crazy hours then too. And I, I, did, I made, I worked enough to pay my business bills at that time. It was really hard to have yeah. all of this momentum and all of this hype and literally have a launch party where we got the community of women together to celebrate each other and then to just go mute basically. Like Shut I had people messaging me and like, well, hey, I'm so excited to hear what you're doing. Like social media, I mean, social was blowing up. I was so excited and it just died and it died for a good year and a half. I didn't really start resurrecting my business until December, the week after Christmas of this last 2021 year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it just, and so to answer your question, Lady Deco is, however, about lady women. Lady, I knew I wanted to, to speak into like and help women. That was a big part of like what my heart was being pulled to do. And then bees pollinate to help things to grow. And so it really was about women working together to grow with each other, to grow um, and help each other grow. So even if I'm up here and you're down here, I'm going to come down, I'm going to help you to grow. So it's almost like an embodiment of like a personality or like a feeling and desire. So not everybody can be a lady bee because if you're over here being all snarky, you don't make the cut. Hey, Marion Hobson here. I wanted to break in and remind you that as you're listening to these recordings, to really pay attention to your intuitive guidance. Take notes about those things that really pique your interest or make sure that you are hearing what you may want to do. That may or may not be something me or my guest shares, but it could be something totally different that is in pricked or you think of just because of what we say. So follow your own intuition and guidance and enjoy the continuation of this pop episode. I have this thing about um, we, my husband and I garden and Tommy's really into gardening or he was when we first dated, he was really into gardening. He had a huge garden and that summer and we you know, spent some time in it. And depending on our yards, um, we have had various amounts of plants every year, right? But for me, our process of gardening is always very symbolic of our process of, of financial wealth. Mm. And this year, the last two years, last year and this year, we've planted corn and with the intention of actually making it grow, right? But so last year, I actually, I just had a handful of heirloom corn, and I don't know if you know the difference between heirloom seeds and just regular seeds. Are you familiar with that at all? I'm not. Okay. Speak to me. I'm excited to know more. So heirloom seeds um, are, you are able to collect the seeds and use them the next season. So you just have to go through a drying process and you can use them the next season. Seeds that you buy at the store are not heirloom intentionally because the seed company wants you to buy them again next year. Um, so for last year, I had this handful of heirloom seeds and we had, um, we'd been in this house, not quite a year. We just had, we'd moved in in the middle of COVID. <laughs> 
but before you know we could get a garden going and so it was our first year to garden in this yard and you know we tried to prepare the soil we've learned some things about preparing the soil but i only had like three or four stalks grow and i said okay they're heirloom seeds i'm going to save those two cobs that i had that actually had enough seeds right and and i've planted them and the other thing about heirloom seeds is they multiply and they grow so much mm. bigger than the regular seeds and so it's been interesting for me learning to fertilize them that's why your story triggered this story <laughs> because because there's um because there's not enough stocks for just the wind and the bees to fertilize so i have to go out there every morning and shake them and get the pollen off the the stocks and so it's been an interesting process of how important fertilizing is to make my corn cobs get bigger you know yeah. and, and so i i learned a little bit more about the value of the bees and the value of that pollinization process yeah these are very fascinating insects and i think it's there's a lot of parallels to other things in life when you look at those insects too just the growth and cleanings and yeah mm -hmm. Tell us more. Tell us more. You, you you got really thoughtful there, which I know always means there's different layers to that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when I think about women as a as a general group of people, you know, women is so just so general. So within my podcast, even just thinking about topics like that, you know, we today just talked about women and body issues, and. Mm -hmm women who have, you know, certain expectations that they put on themselves or whether they've heard something from someone else about themselves and they took it and they internalized it and, and believed it to be true, uh, whether it's from a childhood situation or a parent, a friend, a, a relative, someone, a sibling who has, you know, shared something about them that's negative and they, again, take it to be true, all the way down to women who have, you know, so that's more of the physical um, elements of it too, but then mental mental health. Uh, we had an episode talking, you know, for women um, who are raising kids right now. And the, my mm -hmm. guest had young kids. I had teens, so we were able to bring both uh, kind of both uh, perspectives to the table. And uh, kind of what we talked about earlier, you know, raising kids and and teens in a time when they're exposed. You know, I think about you know, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to not have had social media when I was growing up. I was old enough to not have cable and I had, you know, three channels. So I wasn't exposed to anything like political or racist or school shootings. That was not even kind of in my brain as a child. So to have that times a million, it feels like, with these kids and fashion magazines were all we had. I didn't get fashion magazines. So you can open up Instagram and see all things. Mm -hmm. So you know, Lady B is, yes, it's about helping women in business, but it's about helping women, period. You know, it's about helping women who are in any stage or season of life. It's about helping and supporting women. I should add support. Like, it's not just like, hey, we're here to help you. Like, help can be like a very numbing word sometimes. Like, how do I help? You know, supporting, however, means I'm here to, like, inspire you. I'm here to hold your hand when you're crying. I'm here to bring you a meal if something bad has happened in your day. I'm here for you to just listen while you share something, something that is so hard to maybe share with someone else. So again, I say like not everyone can be a lady because you can't. Not every woman in the world cares that and empathizes and not love to that level. 
Right. Um, but I think it's also, I'm hearing, it's what are you going to pollinate? It's what are you going to feed? And what are you yeah. going to cause to thrive? And being very intentional about these are the, this, this is where you need support. And this is what I'm going to foster in my support. I'm going to foster your self-care. I'm going to foster the positive things that are going to help you move through this or help you, you know, be able to process the, the exposure that you've had and things like that. So um, I love how you're, you're describing that because you're right. We need, I think, uh, you know, some documentary, I'm not even going to try to remember the name of it, but there was a documentary about social media and my daughter insisted that, that, or anyway, something related to my daughter, we watched it together and they had people for, who actually helped to develop some of these social media platforms who were saying that if you don't want to be exposed to certain things, you have to go see the other side. Like if you don't want to only see that aspect. And I think that we get into such a boxed realm already in our own mindset, but social media just fosters that boxed way of viewing the world that if that we have to be very conscious about being the type of person that is open and understanding. And I started on that. <laughs> I started on that conversation from a different place than I ended up, but we're good. <laughs> we're good. No, I think you're wonder are you uh, referring to the social dilemma? Maybe is yes, I think that's it. I watched mm -hmm. that too. And I think you're right. I, I, well, I don't think you're right. I know you're right when it comes to that kind of, you know, keeping social media will keep you believing something because a bunch of falsehoods will be put, be put out or a bunch of, you know, non opinions, let's say, will be, be right. being put out. And so you'll just continue to have your thought be reinforced without looking at the other side of things. And that's part of this great divide that's happening and has been happening between our population. And it's very, very hard to, uh, to convince someone otherwise, you know, on social. So it's like, that's why like get off your phone, get off of your devices and actually go have a conversation with someone. Right. And that's where you're going to hold hands and have someone cry, you know, cry with you. That's, you know, stopping at someone's house to go drop off a dinner. You're not, I mean, the, all the things I shared are not, uh, social media and phones and stuff is not part of that process. Yeah. And that's so true. I, um, we're going to get back to marketing, but <laughs> to, to come, you know, to kind of round out this conversation, I had a very interesting experience a few years ago. I had been in a professional development program and one of the sort of themes of this program was we're going to learn to love everybody and we're going to love your unique the unique parts of you, right? And um, it's trying to remember timing, but I'm not going to get it. it. There was a political thing that came up and I had been kind of unconscious just reposting some political stuff from someone that I liked, but not paying attention to what it was, just reposting it because that person liked it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, offended a couple of people in this program who, you know, had been working hard for years to teach me, because this was like a three-year program, is this this was the end of that three years, to teach me how much they loved me. And yet when this 
inadvertently came up on my social media feed, one of them cut me off, like 100% said, I'm, send me a message, I'm offended by what you've been posting, and cut me off, out of her life. The other said, hey, I'd like to have a conversation about what you've been posting. And she was able to help me actually go back and analyze those things better. And do you really agree with everything this article said? Maybe you agreed with the headline, which is all that I read. Yeah. <laughs> but really agree with everything this said, because they're promoting certain ideas and concepts that I don't think you really agree with. And it actually, uh, because she sees the world in such a different way. Yeah. It was, like you said, it was a wonderful conversation for first for me to be much more conscious about social media. And I now completely avoid anything political on social media. But second, to completely see the world in her realm, in her perspective, which was not, it, it still isn't my perspective because she and I have seen certain current events completely differently. But like you said, to be able to sit down and at least come to understand why that person sees it that way. It's yeah. so vital. Great. So, so thank you. And we let me see if I can segue this into marketing and branding because in, in marketing and branding, you are trying to tell a story and convince somebody that this is the way to see the world. So how does that play into your branding and coaching? That's a great question. I think my initial thought on that is to live it. So, you know, when I think of branding myself or my business, you know, if I'm going to say, you know, hey, I'm a supporter of women in business and, you know, I'm an ex-cheerleader, you know, back in high school, many 20 plus years ago now, but, you know, I was the one, you know, cheering everybody on. I've always been the one to, uh, you know, embrace someone else's big idea and tell them to go for it or whatever it is. Um, so to actually live, you know, that's my mission. That's part of what I that I stand for. So living that out in its full truth uh, is, is branding. It is knowing who it is that you serve, who you can best help. You know, there's a lot of women I can help and there's a lot of women I can't help, like with my actual service. Now I can cheer anybody on. That, that I think I can truly do. Uh, I'm an empathetic person. I have my, my father has blessed me with the ability to cry like this after hearing someone's story. Like it is just like, I feel it. I can embody those emotions and I can't help but have those emotions usually pour out in real time. But marketing strategy and colors and logos and websites, like those are things I can do to help and serve a young entrepreneur or not young, but a, a young entrepreneur as far as like young in their business. Right. But any age, I'm more than happy to help any age, but young in their business. But if, you know, I'm not designed to help a big corporate company, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, there are things that limitations that I have. So I think, I think limitations, just I'm not made to serve in that capacity. So I think it's a really a matter of understanding what it is you, who, who it is you can help and support and love on the most with your gifts that God has given you. And then what does that look like, sound like, feel like is your brand and then live it. Don't just live it on social media. Don't just build out a pretty website and think that that's enough. No, go out in your community. 
offer things for free, go to a master class, hug people if that's who you are when you see them to make them feel something. Your brand is really how you make people feel about you. You know brands that make you feel good, you know brands that make you feel like, eh, I don't really like you. It, it could be appearance, it could be the words they choose, um, which I'm a copywriter by trade, so I am like literally developing a copywriting course that I should have done two years ago when I first thought of it, but it's coming. People are, I, I'm, when people reach out to me um, for want, for jobs, besides the coaching stuff, that's, that's the big thing now. Um, but if I ever have, like, of all the things I used to do in, like, the old agency days, I will consider them take on jobs for copywriting. That's it. I will not build you a website. I will not build you out graphics. I will not take, do a logo anymore. But if someone's like, hey, I need you to write something for me, like, write website copy, for example, I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. I don't always do it. But so I think the copywriting element to any brand and how you speak to your people is way, way more important than the, than the color of your logo, than the design of your logo, even, honestly. I don't, that stuff is like secondary when it comes to how you make people feel. You're going to do it through your words. You're going to do it through video. Isn't that interesting? Okay. So maybe you're answering a question for me because I, um, because I have this funny thing on my podcast, I'm always starting with hello and welcome. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, when I make marketing videos, I always start with, hi y'all, howdy. (laughs) And it's like that little uh, bit of Southern charm, which I only have a little bit of, comes out. And I think it's interesting to me because that's just how it's been coming out. (laughs) But but I think what you're saying is, you know, I'm trying to help them feel welcome in a very different style. When I'm, I'm sort of trying to get their attention on the social media videos versus, hey, here we are in a podcast and we're going to have a heart to heart chat. And I hadn't really thought about it till you, till you, um, you know, mentioned that, but, but it is, how do you make them feel, but how do you make them feel in their overall experience with you? Mm-hmm. Not just in one interaction. Absolutely. And, and all the different interactions. So whether you're producing, you know, email campaigns or email, you know, newsletter every week and you, you have website copy, maybe you produce a blog every week. And you've obviously got your social media and you've got your podcast. Like all of it needs to be very cohesive and sound like you across all those different mediums. You can't um, like that's a reflection of you. And I think mm-hmm. the way to do that and to not like make it complicated is to just be you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't, don't sugarcoat anything. Talk like you talk, uh, you know, like do like, I just, I feel like people, they over, they overcomplicate it in their heads. They're like, well, you know, the perfectionist and them even comes out. I think that's one thing that I've actually done. I'm like, you're really going to take me as I come or we just aren't going to vibe. And that's okay too. Yeah. Like, I know I'm not for everybody and being okay with that. And like people pleasers, like just cannot get over that. They like are continuously trying to make it just so everybody likes them. And the problem with that is, especially even as a copywriter, you're trying to therefore attract everybody and not everybody is your client. So your copy can't get so dang specific to the woman who's sitting in her living room Holding laundry at 2 a.m., watching an infomercial, thinking she's not worthy of anything. What's her name? Mine's Cynthia, by the way. That's my 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 uh, avatar. Like, I don't care about someone who is working in a corporate space, you know, at noon yeah. trying to work out in. Like, it's not my person. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's getting so over specific in that in that space too, because then again, everything you produce from copy, everything you produce on the exterior of yourself, you will walk in that space knowing who you serve. 
So when you're talking to someone, the right words come out. You don't have to think about it because you're so convicted in that. And that's part of your brand. That is branding. It's knowing. Right. You're, you're, so, you're so good. I want to, I want to kind of build on that a little bit because yeah. you, you naturally have some perfectionism. You've mentioned it a couple of times and, and you also mentioned that you kind of get, get beyond the perfectionism and kind of let life flow a little bit more too. And I think that's such a healthy thing to take note of, you know, as we're, as I, in my training, talk about energy systems. Um, and one of the, th and we also talk about archetypes. And sometimes mm -hmm. I think this would fall more in that perfectionism archetype, you know, your archetype of your perfectionist on the one hand can be really analyzing. And I imagine that as a branding coach, you can really analyze, well, if this is the message that we want to say, this is or is not the way we want to present that. And so that perfectionist is, is ideal for that situation. But when you're working with teenagers and you know everybody has different schedules and everybody has different opinions, you might want to put that perfectionist on the shelf and be able to go with the flow a little bit more and and be able to see that, hey, this situation is perfect for everybody right here without any extra analyzing. So I love that you kind of have brought that up in a couple of different ways where yeah. it can be good. And, you know, in certain circumstances, it really can be good. And, and just yeah. learning to know yourself about that. That's awesome. Um, I wanted to bring it back to your family because you you're obviously you've mentioned them a couple of times and we had a good conversation about that with busy teenagers. How do you bring your your kids into your business? What do they know of it and how do they help or support and to you know for you to be able to blend and harmonize your family and your business? Yeah, you know, like I mentioned before, there was a, a short season, luckily, that I wasn't so good at this, where I would work in the office, so I would be at the office. Mm -hmm. um, not crazy late, but I feel like I've been working from my home now since 2018 again, and while there's lots of challenges, because my office is right off of our living room, you can see my door, where the TV's on the wall and the kids, you know, when they're home in the summertime, at least when I watch a show and I'm like, nope, I'm working. You can't be here. Yeah. Uh, they have been part of everything. I've not kept any of my projects like under wraps. They, they've been on uh, client shoots with me back in the day. I used to put photo shoots, video shoots that come to client needs with me before. Uh, if, if I didn't have anyone to care for them while I had to go, and that's why I always say I'm like, I have the best clients. Like I literally have, I mean, I have people who understand that most of them are, you know, peers and they have friends. Um, but I also bring like my daughter who's 14, she's almost 15 and she is a lot like me. She reminds me so much of me when I was her age. And so she loves Canva, for example, it's a, a tool she uses for school projects. So there's times I'll, bring her in and have her develop a graphic for me on Canva or I'll do one on Canva and I will have her come and like give me her opinion because mm. we always do fashion opinions like and she's actually really good at it so I'll trust you know give her a little bit of fun there to come and help me pick out a graphic she's helped me edit photos before when I've had to do like a batch editing process she just comes in and sits over here and works on my laptop so 
I feel like with my son too, I tell him a lot of what's going on. He's like jumped on a couple mastermind calls with me. I'll be in the background. Like last week I was on a coaching call with a client whose husband joined us and he's a, a coach. My my son is a crazy great athlete. Um, mm-hmm. Great track as a sophomore, Drake, which is a big deal here in Iowa. Uh, and uh, has just flourished as an athlete his whole career. He's very seriously. So this gentleman's a coach um, and his wife he's like, I want to talk to your son. I want to talk to your son. And uh, so they're going to connect. And he's just going to, like, coach him. He's a professional speaker. So he offered to give him kind of a little motivational speech uh, before the football season. Like, it's just, it's incredible how my clients and my kids all just kind of become one big little family. It's it's like a, and, and I, what I also like is, you know, my kids, my girls especially, but all three of them have watched my business be you know, crazy successful and thriving to not. They've seen, they've seen me here kind of like frustrated or wondering what's going to happen next. Or even in between, you know, the COVID year, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know even at that time what I wanted to do for my business. Yeah. And switching gears from doing the work for my clients to then coaching was a big, big move because I let everyone go. And I therefore I let a paycheck go. I, I let that go. I took that risk. Yeah. And then I had to still build. So there's no money coming in while I'm still trying to make this dream a reality. So they saw me very frustrated at days. They saw me cry. Um, they've seen everything and all from this very desk, you know, things that are just like, they're just in there. So I think also as a parent, again, going back to when I was a kid, I didn't see my mom have big emotions. I think that we were as kids told, you know, like toughen up or act better or whatever, like behave or whatever we were told to basically that told us we couldn't have an emotion. So not that we didn't have them, we just didn't have them in front of our parents or we would go have them with friends or we'd have them alone. And I I told myself a very long time ago, I was like, I'm not, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm like, I'm not gonna, I can't hide it from my kids even if I wanted to. So while some people are like, what, your kids see you cry? Like your kids saw you get mad? I'm like, yeah, my kids have seen me swear a lot too. Like (laughs) I, I'm not ashamed of it. It's who I am and I'm not gonna be someone else in front of my kids. Or my husband or anyone else. I guess. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I, I think I think what you're saying is so important. It's not it's not just um, you know business ups and downs, but life ups and downs. Um, I I will mention this over and over on podcasts. One of the ways I get inspiration is simply like changing the channel sometimes, flipping channels sometimes, or flipping through magazines. And at one point I saw a magazine article that was talking about parents who want to raise kids who are, who have a stable, strong mental health situation. And in this study there, the key that they found was if you want your children to be, have a solid, stable mental health, they need to know that you can make mistakes mm-hmm. as as a parent and parents yeah. such as my parents <laughs> who <laughs> everything they did was right um, and that they never believed that they ever made a mistake. Now that has changed. That has changed. And I had to allow myself to see that that had changed. But when I when we were being raised, they were the authority figures and nothing that they said could be questioned. Yeah. Um, and that shakes your mental health. And it's so it's actually really vital and important, not only that you can share their emo- your, those emotions, but those those ups and downs of life, because that I 
I've now applied it in watching my children and being able to, to, Hey, say, look, I'm processing. <laughs> I'm, I'm processing this event, this emotion, whatever. And, and we're going to get through it and it's going to be okay. But, but that's an okay thing to be and do and have one of my recent, um, guest was talking about we are emotional beings that think about life and I'm not quoting her exactly but but we are you know emotions come events come up and down and and I love that you brought your kids into that and you've done an even better job than me now for for me my my parents my, my mom was an entrepreneur even though you wouldn't you know it's not the same entrepreneurs that we are today having two or three businesses sometimes, but she uh, did real estate investing and she brought us in to clean some really nasty, terrible houses on a regular basis. And so I told myself when I started my own business that I wasn't going to force my kids to participate. And unfortunately that's been a negative because then they've pushed back. No, I don't have to participate. I don't want to participate. No. And, and instead of, I think they could have really experienced like what you are describing a lot more of, Hey, just do this little project for me and, you know, try out your skills, see what you can do. That that's awesome. I'm glad you, you can model that for those of us who wish we had done it a little bit better. It might not be too late. You know, I always ask them, I was like, do you want to work in the business with me someday? And, you know, right now it's no, but they're still young enough to change their minds or to have yeah. a different path that they go on. But no, I, I love what you said about, you know, parents always being, you know, in the past, always being right and kind of putting that foot down and being really, really firm in that. Again, I think that as the generations, as, as we move on generations, we're beginning to realize some of the things we did. And I think, you know, just humans and what, what we, you know, we did with what we the knew. The pendulum how. swings. I like to yes. say the pendulum swings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was going to share this quick story because I think it's helpful for anyone who has, and it is really quick, I promise. But my son, I mentioned earlier, we can get into yelling matches. And this came up to, came in um, to my mind here when you were sharing about your family because there is a time where yelling isn't going to be constructive any further. Like there's a time to like kind of yell to be firm on what you're trying to say and kind of like, you know, diffuse it and, and have a conversation. But there's also yelling in the sense that we're like, if you're yelling at each other and nothing's getting accomplished, we have a code word and it's strawberry. So I, if you're, if you're ever in a situation where you're in a point in a conversation or yelling match where nothing's being accomplished, we determine a code word before or strawberry because it just is like, no, there's nothing, the context of it will completely be irrelevant. And then needs to be a word that's going to kind of snap you. And that means you stop, you walk away, you take a break and you come back uh, in about 30 minutes or so when you've calmed down and you finish, you know, the conversation in a constructive manner because it's usually I'm right, you're wrong, or I want to do this and no, you can't do this. And there's something that the word, the decision's not going to change so the argument is just kind of for nothing at this point. It's right. like we need to come and talk rationally. Yeah. Um, and so. and it's a it's a curious balance, especially uh, as a, you know when you get to children who are teenagers and have their own opinions. But even with younger um, with younger children, it's a curious balance because you still are the authority figure. You still have this is your home, and there has to be certain 
rules and regulations to functioning in this home. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's been a conversation around, look, I didn't present that best because I know, I know now, not that I knew then, but I know that if I get to yelling, then I just feel like I'm not being heard. And I probably could have presented that in a better way. Um, And sometimes it's just acknowledging that, look, I'm still the authority figure. But it's a yeah. fine line, and it's a, it, a, 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 you know, crazy thing to look at uh, of how, how do I, yes, I'm still the one who rules the roost in the fact that this is still my home, but I can still admit that I have flaws, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I should clarify, when I say yelling, I don't mean like yelling, screaming matches. I mean like for, to prove a point. To- oh, yeah. I don't know how I, I'm kind of going back in my head now saying, I'm like, no, what I think yelling, like it's not yelling, like fighting, drunk, you know, it's anyway. Oh, you know, one day we might be. (laughs) That's okay. All good. You're not taking the car. No, you're not (laughs) taking the car. (laughs) Well, Becca, I really appreciate you being here today. I do want to ask you to just mention, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes too, but how do people connect with you? They can find me at Lady B. Co. Um, for both Instagram and for Facebook. Okay. So, yeah. And that's L A D Y B E E C O. Yeah. Okay. And just so everybody knows, if you're listening to this, Becca's name is not spelled like it sounds. So photo is actually spelled F E A U T O, correct? Did I get that right? Okay, so you can see it in the show notes and you'll be able to click on the links there, but just so you're watching for Becca um, when when you find her on Facebook and social media. Awesome. Thank you so much for making time to be on our podcast today. I want to wrap up by asking you, can you leave us with an exercise or something that listeners can do to however that shows up, either for family or business? So I've I've been thinking about this. I think the one that comes to me naturally based on our conversation is if you are in the process of building out something, launch it. Like I want you to launch it today or within the next 24 hours. And what I mean launch it is if you're building a blog, I want you to publish it. If you're building out a course, I want you to finish the outline and get it ready for the next step. If you are... Uh, just getting started and you're like, I haven't set up any social media pages. I want you to do it today. Like I want you to just launch it, launch messy, launch uh, just when it's undone, un, you know, colors aren't perfect and logo might not be done, but just launch it. Cause here's the deal. You're still a step ahead of someone who needs your help and support. And now she can't find you. She still mm-hmm. can't find you because you haven't launched it. She can't find you and get the help that you can bring to her and ultimately serve her family, herself, her, her business, whatever it is your your passion is to serve. None of that can happen until you launch the damn thing. So launch it. Whatever launching looks like for Ooh. you, launch it. That is awesome. That is really good um, counsel, advice, and wisdom. So thank you so much. Becca, thanks again for being here. And everyone, get out there and launch it. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Marian Hobson, and I invite you to subscribe, like, comment, 
and most importantly, share what you've learned with someone you know. The best way to lock it in is to teach someone else. So make sure that you share what you've learned, take action on an exercise or something that you've heard today, and come back to let us know how it's benefited your life and your family. Looking forward to hearing from you soon.